Welcome to CII Radio. In this episode, we are talking to Nigel Brook, partner Clyde & Co London, about climate change liability. Today, most businesses are vulnerable to climate change-related risks in some way. Companies in the energy sector or other carbon-intensive parts of the world economy now face repeated litigation. But increasingly, we're seeing pressure brought to bear on financial institutions too. For example, investors and more particularly insurers regarding their involvement with energy-intensive companies. Claims may stem from physical damage to infrastructure and property or from financial damage to share prices and underlying asset values. They may also include anticipated losses and the costs of responding to climate change in the future. For these reasons, climate change is now a critical boardroom issue not only for the corporations themselves, but also their directors, who are at risk of being held to account. In this episode, Nigel Brook, partner at Clyde & Co London, joins us to discuss the key risk factors from an insurance perspective and hopes to outline some of the opportunities for the industry around responding to the challenge of climate change. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here is our conversation with Nigel Brook. Hello, Nigel, and welcome to CII Radio. Hi, Luke. Very happy to have you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Obviously, climate change is a huge issue globally, environmentally um, and socially, but it also is a huge issue for insurance. Can you tell us some of the key climate change risks for the insurance sector? Yeah, I think the best place to start is a speech that Mark Carney gave at Lloyd's back in September 2015. So he was giving a a rallying call to the insurance industry and he gave this threefold separation. There's physical risk, transition risk and liability risk. Right. So physical risk is the the most well understood, um, increasing floods, more powerful storms, uh, more droughts and so on, uh, which is what's unfolding over the next uh, few years, already unfolding around the world. Transition risk is the, as you swivel from a carbon intensive economy to a low carbon economy, there'll be winners and losers. And the faster that transition takes place, the more turbulent that transition will be. So the transition towards renewables, you also got the transition towards electric vehicles. So you can see that the incumbents could lose out and that itself could create losses as well as big profits for the ones who get it right. But the third element is the liability risk. So people getting sued uh, for a variety of things, and potentially, and obviously there's a lot of this just potential and theoretical, but it could be for contributing to climate change. It could be for failing to address climate change, to acclimatise to it, to adapt your business to it. So if you're a shareholder, for example, and a company sees some of its assets wiped out by climate change or, or by transition risk, then that could give rise to lawsuits. So this, that's the kind of exposure he was contemplating then, which could then have an impact on insurers. Okay, so there's a there's a huge amount for the insurance sector to oh, consider. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what kind of cases are being brought? The kind of cases so far, there are actually um, about 900, depending on how you, what you include, but about 900 cases so far being brought around the world uh, that are climate related. Some of them are against governments and other institutions saying you need to do more. But some of them are against corporations. Now, the highest profile ones are in the States and This is a wave of litigation over the last 18 months brought by municipalities and one state, Rhode Island, against the oil majors. And essentially they're saying your product uh, is inherently dangerous. It it puts 
carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, which is contributing to global warming. We're now facing the consequences, so the ones near the sea having to reinforce their seawalls and so on. You, the oil majors, are going to pay for that. These cases are at very early stage. Some of them have already been struck out, and it's, okay. it's a pretty ambitious course of action that's being pursued here. But it's not just the states. There's also one in Germany, for example, brought by a Peruvian farmer against RWE, one of the two biggest energy companies right, in Germany. Okay. And again, same sort of theory, saying you've contributed to global warming. I want your percentage of that in terms of damages. Wow. Okay. And yeah. is there any sense that these cases are succeeding? Very early days. As I say, this, these are relatively recent wave of cases. If any of them get traction, then what we can anticipate, based on what we've seen with other kinds of cases over the years, is that there'll be copycat litigation. But at this stage, they're years away from trial, the American ones. The German one could be going to trial within the next year or so. Oh, I see. Okay. And from an insurance perspective, what can insurers do to take on some of these risks? This is um, both a risk and an opportunity. So okay. the, in the opportunity terms, there's still a massive protection gap. Obviously, in the developing world, in some countries, the insurance penetration is 1% or 2%. is woeful. And there's loads of evidence to suggest a really strong link between insurance penetration and the health of the economy. The, the more you can spread the risk, uh, the more people will, will take chances and make investments that they wouldn't otherwise have done. But even in the developed world, uh, in, for example, moving away from climate, uh, in California, about 10% of people have earthquake cover. Wow, okay. And flood cover in America... Because the old system, there, most the vast majority of people don't have flood cover for their, their houses. If that market were opened up, that, that would be an enormous opportunity for insurers. Obviously, the, the risk of flooding is changing under climate change. Houston, as is widely known, had three one in 500 year storms in the space of 18 months, which right. perhaps tells you something. So there for the adventurous, uh, the, there are opportunities there. There's also opportunities getting into infrastructure. Okay. So um, the three years ago, the, the UN set 17 sustainable development goals, and insurance has a role to play in about two-thirds of those. So this is all about uh, ambitious goals to, to make the world uh, a better place to live and that's more sustainable. Sustainable in the general sense, but also particularly about climate change making it secure against the, the, the changing climate. And the one particular goal we can focus on is, is goal number nine, which is about infrastructure and industry. Right, okay. So you've got about uh, well over half the world's population living in cities, and that's growing and growing, that number. And for them to have a good standard of living or an improving standard of living, you've got to invest massively in mass transit, uh, electrification, internet, smart industries, renewable energy. This will vastly improve people's livelihoods in, in countries around the world, but it requires trillions of dollars of spending. Climate finance, uh, the, the, the finance that's got some climate risk embedded in it, is challenging to raise, that there are quite a few players really interested in doing that. But if you can de-risk that investment mm. through insurance, then it could uh, unlock huge amounts more capital. So there is huge potential for, for insurance. Yes, there is. Yeah. It, obviously, <clears throat> some of this will be in countries that insurers aren't used to operating in. Uh, and uh, kinds of infrastructure, perhaps they haven't insured before, perhaps longer term risks than they're, they're typically are comfortable with. Yes. Yeah. But if they can get past that, then there are massive opportunities.
Excellent. Okay. And is there an upside for insurers to help build a more resilient um, future economy? Yeah. So I think that that is the the big opening there. That you've got enormous amounts of infrastructure already being built, regardless of the sustainable development goals around the world. And the insurers are actually already engaged in this dialogue. Uh, what's there's been this wake up around institutions like the World Bank, the UN, um, a lot of countries as well, that the role insurance can play, not just in terms of risk transfer policies, but actually in terms of insurance methodology about understanding risk, risk mapping, risk modeling. So insurers over the last 20 years have got used to this idea of the one in 100 year uh, return. That kind of thinking can have enormous benefits in the wider world. So if you're thinking, as a city, I've got a scarce dollars to spend here. What's the best way of spending those dollars to make my city more resilient in a changing climate? And it might be seawalls. It might be investment in natural barriers. Uh, there's a range of other steps you could take to make your city more resilient so that it's more sustainable. The insurance thinking could help you decide which what to prioritise. And then, of course, insurance itself, uh, policies can play a role there in de-risking uh, that next move. You've also got insurers um, on the asset side. So if you look at the investments of an insurance company, those investments are at risk from climate change. They've got climate risk embedded in them right, to okay. some degree. Yeah. And so that's something that insurers are becoming more and more aware of, uh, and particularly under pressure from regulators like the Bank of England. But also, they, some insurers are thinking, can we actually start investing in resilient infrastructure as part of our asset mix? And there is a dialogue now with regulators, uh, whether persuading them to, to loosen the rules a little bit so that they can more freely invest in, in these kind of things. Okay, so um, as you said, I mean, these are very much kind of long-term risks. Maybe it takes a long time for this kind of thing to to, to change, but it is very much something that insurers are looking at uh, yes. at the moment, and yeah, regulators. It it's not all of the industry, but the, so some of them will go ahead, particularly in Europe. Uh, just the UK and Europe are leading on this, and parts of Asia, uh, they're, they're kind of showing the way here. You've also got countries, particular countries, who are helping them along that way. UK and Germany uh, stand out in this regard. Right, okay. They're both in favour of using insurance to, in the broad sense, do good. So, for example, uh, moving away from infrastructure, looking at, again, back at the developing world, we've got the risk of crop failure, for example, and extreme hunger because of the rains failure, whatever. Yes, yeah. The UN, World Bank, World Food Programme and so on, have really turned on to this idea of using insurance to pre-finance so that if that bad thing happens, the insurance instrument will immediately release the money you need to, to intervene and help. And the UK government and the German government are really keen on this as well. They're actually using part of their aid budgets to fund the premiums for these products. So again, uh, insurers can play a really valuable role there. Wow, so it sounds like it's really going to have a, a huge impact on the, on the sector. It is, yeah. This whole business of climate change and the impact on the insurance industry and also the potential for lawsuits and so on yes, is yeah. something we've been majoring on. Uh, we've got a series of reports coming out. The first one came in December. Okay. And um, the first one was uh, called a burning issue for boardrooms. The next one is uh, a rising tide, so you can see where this is all going. <laughs> uh, but these and a lot of other materials are available on our Resilience Hub. So if you just um, go onto Google, you can find this. But there's, there's a massive material there. This whole area, 
climate change and its impact on the insurance industry is going to be transformative. We're going to be hearing a lot, lot more about this. Absolutely. Okay, and we'd certainly encourage our members to yeah to go to that hub and, and find out more about the uh, the reports you've published. That was fantastic, Nigel. Thanks very much for coming in today. Thank you. And um, yeah, I'm sure our members will uh, find that of great interest. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. And to find out more or subscribe, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Thank you very much and goodbye. <laughs>